Hello, hello, hello. Good morning and welcome to Weightless and Mind, Body and Spirit with yours truly, Dr. Carol Penn. We're going to give our wonderful, fantastic, amazing audience a time to get on air. And then as always, we're, I'm going to be asking you how you're doing, where you're from to check in so we can see our comments. We always like to be interactive. I am so happy to be this. I'm calling this our fall season pre-show, fall season pre-show. You know, you got to have the pre-show, then you have to have the kickoff show, and then you have to all a part of a wonderful and fantastic season. And I'm really glad to be back on air after we took our wonderful pause for the end of the summer. And now it's time to step in, step in as we get ready to kick off our fall season with the autumn equinox just a few days away from here. Did anybody check out that beautiful moon last night? Oh my God, the sky was just spectacular last night on September 18th, my grandmother Marion's special birthday. And we're going to be having a couple of special features uh, this year and this season, I think I'm going to call it Marion's Tea Time because my grandmother was the one who really was my first example regarding self-care. All right. So who's here? Who's here? Who's saying hello this morning? Go ahead and drop it in the chat. Let us know that you're here before I bring on our special guests that are waiting backstage. Good morning, Grand Rising. Oh, this is one of my spiritual daughters, my dear cousin Mel. Good morning, Sharon. We've missed you too. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I would call that a full moon. I would call that a full moon. So I am Hey, Wendy, good morning. Yes, so happy that I am happy to be awake. I'm happy that you're awake and we're going to see each other live. Wendy, I hope you're going to wake up every Sunday for season six where we are going to have special guests like Reverend Zamoria Brandon. We both know and love Zamoria. We're going to have these fantastic African-American medical doctors who and DOs and occupational therapists and physical therapists, because you know what? We have information and wisdom. So we have the book learning, as my grandmother would say, but we also, we are the we are the manifestation of the dreams and the visions of our ancestors. And such wisdom was carried from the mother of us all, the continent of Africa and the various cultures that we came from. And this is true. I'm not negating anyone's wisdom tradition or anyone's culture or heritage because we stand on those shoulders, right? And I'm saying because of my lineage, I emphasize that. I bring that forward for the betterment of all so we can all woo, get down on it. Yeah, I was dancing to that yesterday. So that song is just stuck in my mind. Hey, good morning, Victoria. Yes, yes, yes. Greetings from Wilmington, Delaware. Fantastic. Oh, my goodness. We're in the house. Good morning, Rebecca. Grateful to be back. 
Yes, Martha, good morning. Glad to see you early in the day. Hashtag Meditation Nation. That's right. Go ahead and drop it in the chat. Meditation Nation. So, all right. It's time for me to introduce myself. Who am I? I am Dr. Carol Penn. I am actually triply board certified in family medicine, obesity medicine, and in osteopathic manipulative medicine. I am also a three-time best-selling author. I ah, get it. I can't believe it. Get it, get it, get it. It's wonderful. I got to show my book, Babies, Meditation in a Time of Madness. This is the book for families and kids, for teachers and kids. And this is for the journal for the grown folks, the journal. And so, and I've got two best-selling authors on the show this morning. And I'm also a master movement meditation and mindset coach coming to you from my roles, my most important roles, I feel. Wife, mother, daughter, sister, member of the community, cousin, friend and all the roles that we all play. Good morning and welcome back, Patrick. So excited, so excited to see you all here. All right, y'all. So without further ado, why do we call this show Weightless in Mind, Body, and Spirit? Well, there is the obvious. I am an obesity medicine specialist, and I am dedicated to the optimization improvement and the fulfillment of life, purpose, and health for the betterment of the global community. I am also a family medicine doc, so that means everybody from cradle to grave and beyond, right? So this is the importance of bringing forward the information about health, and we're going to hear a lot about that today, but there's also that metaphysical side, right? What does it mean to feel weightless in mind, body, and spirit? What does it feel? What does that mean? And what does that mean to you? So we talk about the traditional medical side and bring you information and education. We never diagnose or treat on these shows. For that, I refer you to your own health and wellness professionals. And we talk about the coaching side, the mentoring side, the transformational side. Yes, indeed. So good morning and welcome, Claudia. Good morning and welcome, Christine. Good morning and welcome, Kenny Brazil Hamilton. So listen, a special treat. It's going to be coming to you toward the end of the show because this season is full of surprises. And one of the most delightful surprises is going to be a gift from the artist, the fantastic, the phenomenal, the creative, the composer, Kenny Brazil Hamilton. All right. All right. All right. And thank you so much. Thank you, Wendy. Thank you. And hey, Fairhaven in the house. Yes, it is indeed. All right, y'all. I'm so excited. Everybody's here ready to talk and awake and ready to go. So let's meet our first guest. Are you ready? Drop it in the chat if you're ready, because I know this is what you wake up early for on a Sunday morning before we go to church. And yes, Dr. Carol goes to church. That's why we have to get this done in the morning, in the morning. Hello. Hashtag, let's say hallelujah. All right. 
So I welcome to the broad, and I always like to bring my guests on so they can, we can see their glow and we can see our, their smile. So I'm going to bring our first guest on camera. There she is. She's gorgeous. Terilyn Cannon Knight, MD, is a board certified family physician, family medicine in the house, speaker, and sought after career coach, a native of Macon, Mississippi, hashtag the Southern United States in the house. She has a passion for the underserved with much of her career spent serving communities in the District of Columbia, Maryland, and Virginia. Dr. Knight is a graduate of Tougaloo College. I love it and obtained her medical degree from the Warren Alpert Medical School at Brown University. She completed her family medicine residency at University of Texas at Houston. She enjoys traveling, photography, and daily adventures with her children. She has three children, Cannon, Alice, it's right, three, right? Yes, three. Yes. So hashtag three. Hello. Three. <laughs> Allison and Jackson. Dr. Terrellin is the CEO of Night Coaching LLC, mm -hmm. which helps physicians navigate the transition from clinical to non-clinical careers in medicine. And she is truly the queen of non-clinical careers in medicine, something that wasn't talked about too much Um you know, early on, and, and we're learning more and more about that because that was a question I asked myself at one point when I left my residency program and said, oh, I don't know if I'm going to be in this club. These people are a little, <laughs> little, little special. And, you know, I, I really didn't have anybody to guide me as to the possibilities of non-clinical careers. So I went a searching and that was, so that was, you know, 10 years ago. And uh, there wasn't a lot of information out there. So I'm really grateful to have you as an example. And I'm going to bring you on. And I just want to ask you just to talk a little bit and give some examples. So what does it mean to have a non-clinical career in medicine? I, for one, think having a medical degree, like I love medical school. I really, really did. And I felt like my head was just exploding with knowledge. So you come out with all this amazing knowledge. What are some of the ways that you could pivot if you decide that, oh, you know, putting the stethoscope on somebody's chest and taking their blood pressure day in and day out, one patient at a time is not for you. Well, first of all, Dr. Carroll, I just want to say thank you so much for having me. And I'm so honored to be one of your first guests um, at Waitlist in my, oh my gosh, I love it. I love it. I loved it so much last year. And so I'm so happy that you brought it back. I missed you during the break. And so I'm happy to be back. And I know all of your guests missed you. So it's an honor to be one of your first guests. And as Dr. Carroll said, I'm Dr. Terrellyn Cannon-Knight. I'm a family, uh, a board-certified family medicine physician, speaker, author, and coach. I'm a career transition co um, physician and coach. And yes, um, I help physicians make the pivot so that they can have financial stability and flexibility. Um, and so what it means to be um, a non-clinical physician is is someone who has that flexibility that so many of us desire. And 
as you mentioned, I have three children. And I think the pandemic had a lot of us, especially physicians who were on the front lines, had us rethinking our career paths. I mean, we love our patients, but so many of us faced uh, burnout. And um, we were faced also as we went in um, while we were taking care of patients who were um, sick and deathly ill. We also went home and we were we were faced with taking um, um, we were faced with some choice, some really hard choices that we were, especially during the early um the early days of the pandemic, we were faced with some really hard choices where we were risking the lives of the our own families. And so a lot of people during the burnout were rethinking their career choices just because they were overworked, they were tired, um, and they were also very scared. And so um, aside from the pandemic, a lot of people were also at the end of their careers and rethinking how much longer, as you said, how much longer do I want to do this? And there's nothing wrong with this because a lot of people would pay their dues. And so as they um, faced the choices of wanting to spend more time with their families, they thought, OK, well, I've only been trained to do clinical medicine. What else can I do with this medical degree? And the truth is a lot. Um, so. We a lot of times people don't don't realize we are leaders. We have natural leadership abilities. We because we work with so many different types of people, we are um, we're very versatile. We are teachers. Um, we are and we don't realize it, but we are entrepreneurs because <laughs> we we don't realize it, but we we can run a business. We run small corporations within our clinics, even though we don't know it. Um, and so there are a lot of things that we can do. Um, and so that those are the skills that I work with with um, physicians. I coach them. I don't tell them what they what what to do. I just bring out those natural abilities that physicians already have, such as teachers, such as um, entrepreneurs, such as um, um, business those business skills. Um, and so those that's what I do. So I'm very happy to do it. Oh, you're on mute, Dr. Kara. <laughs> I think the phrase of 2020 and 2021 is you're on mute. <laughs> so, you know, and I think that, you know, all of us out here listening that might be willing to pivot, you know, just keep keep your ears and your heart open there's lots of new opportunities coming for doctors doctors can work in insurance they can mm -hmm. work in the c-suite you can take all of this knowledge about what it means to be human and, and the inner workings of a human and translate that into writing speaking engagements mm -hmm. do you know how many people can't write or can't speak. And you know, mm -hmm. that's a part of what you have to do. So every day when you're in front of your audience of one, you are actually presenting, right? So these right. are skills Absolutely. That you've been working on and don't necessarily know it. If you are a part of a practice or it's your own practice, you're you're already a CEO. So you've got a lot of those C's sweet skills going on in the background and if you're new and you're just you know starting out you already know you already know 
There's the insurance industry. So let's say you don't want to have to do anything with the insurance industry. There's all of these five, Fortune 500 corporations that are looking for directors of their health and wellness programs for their employees. Because finally, the Fortune 500 companies understand that a happy employee is an employee that impacts the bottom line positively. And there is a direct correlation. So they've understand, they finally understand that taking care of their people is an investment in the financial viability and future of their corporations. All right. So and I, if I could make one more yeah. point, um, I think number one, I think that we, we, we undervalue ourselves because in medical school and especially in residency, a lot of what we learn, we learn very quickly. We absorb goo gobs of information very quickly, large amounts of of information. And so that's one thing I try to instill in physicians that I meet. That whole see one, do one, teach one is very real. And so we we need to understand that a lot of what we learn, we learn very quickly. So anything we choose to do, we are very quick learners. And so a lot of that is having the, uh, our biggest hurdle is just confidence. And so once we decide to do it, then we will be successful. That's number one. And then number two, we don't have to actually stay in medicine. A lot of times it's just getting over the quote unquote shame or the um, the idea of what it traditionally is to be a doctor. And so if there is another passion we choose to pursue, it's okay. It's okay to um, serve patients and people in another way. And so that's the other thing that I encourage people to pursue because we want to live happy and healthier lives. And a lot of times we can do that in other ways, um, because we're smart, we are smart people, and there are other ways to serve our community. And so that's all I wanted to say. Beautifully said, beautifully said. And yes, let's build up that confidence muscle, Bill, because there are other ways to serve. And that's the operative word, service. And so, and, and the I think the other point that and I'm going to weigh in with our, our next guest when we're all on here together is that in the multiple ways that we can show up and serve, we ourselves are the medicine. We, this, it's in that relationship that you have with another human being can be healing and transformative in ways that are sometimes beyond human understanding. But to to understand, and I think for me, that was the greatest opportunity in becoming a physician, I love intimacy. And Mm -hmm. I've come to understand over time that no matter what role I'm playing, when I show up in service, I myself am the medicine. Mm -hmm. I certainly, I saw that in my 20 year career as a dancer and a performing artist. I felt that it would be the same in medicine just different. And now it's like the, the the worlds are coming together as, you know, more and more this whole movement is my medicine is showing up in my life and in the way that I actually treat people for their own healing and well-being. So thank you for bringing those points forward. 
and we welcome and say good morning to Linda. We everybody's coming back on Dr. Terrelon. There comes <laughs> Dr. Erica. Welcome, one of our nation's most fabulous, fabulous mental health and wellness experts and professionals. Our Harvard trained psychiatrist, Dr. Erica. Yes. And beauty and blackness, all in the house, all in the house. Excellent. So now I've got a couple of questions um, for you. And one of our, um, you know, many conversations, we're both moms and, you know, those mommy hearts, right? And you, your children are now back in school. And I know we have some in our audience and, and you know, some in, in my sphere of influence that they're still homeschooling. Some have gone back to school and share a little bit about your experience with your children back in school, because I understand that it's been a positive experience. So, and I want our listeners today to, you know, hear it from the front line. So what is it like with the kids back in school? So hats off to all of the the teachers, the administrators, all of the paraprofessionals, anyone that has to do <laughs> with getting school back. Um, and and, and um, we do have the virtual option, but I was a proponent of getting my, my kids back to school. And um, one, I'm a working mother, but two, my kids really needed the social interaction and I saw both the positive and negative effects of having them home last year. My kids needed the social interaction. Um, my, I'll start with, I, I have three kids with very three, um, with three different personalities and all three suffered from not interacting with their peers at different points. So my, um, I, the ages of my children are currently are 11, sorry, 12, 10, and nine. And at the very beginning of my, of the pandemic, my 12 year old, and I'm very happy to share and not happy to share, but very transparent about it because I think that it will help others. My 12 year old um, suffers from depression and actually started cutting. And we actually had to hospitalize him at the beginning. And if you are any parent, um, to it's a very not just a very difficult um, decision to hospitalize a preteen boy, um, but you'll also know that together with um, a mental health um, team, that it that means that we had done everything that we could do outpatient wise. Mm -hmm. um, so. That means that we had reached the limits of uh, pharmacology with medication, with counseling. That means together with his counselor, with his psychiatrist, um, that we had done everything that we could do. So he really um, suffered. Um, and so we had to hospitalize him inpatient. He was with, at a very good program. And we it's nothing like you could see on TV. We visited him every day. Um, he had to have intensive therapy. And um, so that was just, you're hearing it from the horse's mouth. Um, that was proof that he really did suffer. And so fortunately, we did see a positive outcome. He, he's an athlete. 
Um, he's a natural born leader. I mean, was quote unquote captain of his baseball team, played hockey. I mean, plays two sports. When all of that shut down, he had no outlet. Um, and so um, I was very, he was very much looking forward to school. He is thriving. He is in a, all three of my children are in a talented and gifted program. So he very much needed it. So we were looking forward and he is back in school doing very well. We were very open with his teachers. They are, um, and they are very open. Um, and he's thriving. He's back. He's working all A's. He's a level ahead in math. And so I say all of that to say with the right supports in place, um, with open communication with the school, with the school counselor, um, with the mental health. And I and I realize everyone does not have um, those resources, but you, you better believe that I went looking for them. Um, I fought for them. I was um, I definitely had to um, advocate for them. Um, he is thriving. That is my oldest. That is my 12 year old who is currently in seventh grade. He is on track. My daughter, who is a social butterfly, who is currently the 10 year old, who is our middle child, usually is very independent. She did well through all of it um, and uh, until the end of the summer. And she um, just to give parents some idea of what depression looks like in a in a child, she was not necessarily sad. Towards the end of the summer, she was just very angry and very difficult all of a sudden. What some people might um, take as just puberty, she usually likes to bake and she usually sang. All of a sudden, she started um staying in her room more and she became and her brothers thought that she was uh, more <laughs> more difficult than usual, um, more selfish than usual. But I didn't want to take that for granted and um, had her see a counselor and her counselor said, no, she is actually um, depressed. She needs to have more play dates, have her see, have her do more play dates at the park so we could socially distance. And we had her do that. We saw instantly saw a change in her after a couple of play dates. And so we again, we could not wait to get her back in school. She's back. She's thriving as well. So I, I say that to parents, if you see any change in your, don't just take it for granted. Don't just think, oh, this is just puberty. Oh, you know, it's, she's just at that age. No, in this day and age, don't take any of that for granted because, you know, we generally have a close relationship, but she wasn't sharing any of that with me and I needed an objective opinion. My nine-year-old, he has a chronic disease. Um, he has sickle cell disease. Um, he also has ADHD. He needed school for he needed school for other reasons. Um, I have him in public school because, again, those resources. I'm not a teacher. I don't um, I don't have that specialization. And again, hats off. Um, he gets pulled out again. He is gifted. But again, he does need one on one to keep on track because, again, he gets distracted. Um, and we needed those resources. And as many of you know, who are who are maybe still homeschooling, he still uh, needs that one on one attention. Now, with the with the and I, I don't want to take up too much of your time, Dr. And Dr. Randy's time who's coming on. I do want to say we did get our 12 year old vaccinated. I am a proponent of the vaccine. We are um, we are very and for the two that cannot get the vaccine yet. We it didn't change 
anything about what we're doing. Yes, am I concerned about my my um, youngest who cannot get the vaccine, who still has a chronic disease? We just instill in them, they have to wear the mask. We have a mask mandate at our school and in our county, um, but it was their mental health, seeing them suffer, that was much more important. So we are very vigilant about wearing our masks everywhere and hand washing. They each have hand sanitizer. Um, And so we just go from there. So I, you know, I just, I I encourage all of you other families do what's right for you, but I will tell you, I am a proponent of the vaccine. And um, I hope that you guys will do that too. So. That's my that's my advice. Those are my two cents, Dr. Carol. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. That was really powerful because everybody here who either has a child in school or, or is being homeschooled or knows someone who is going through this has those questions and those concerns. And you brought and you, there was a perfect segue to Dr. Randy. I just as we saw when you said I'm a proponent of the vaccination. Dr. Randy was jumping up and down in the green room. She's like, <laughs> yeah. So, so Dr. Erica, you are highlighting a huge sign of mental health challenges in children. Change in behavior. Change in behavior. So again, if you know someone with children and they're saying, reporting to you, you share with them, you might want to look you might want to seek some professional help. You might want to look into some counseling. And you heard it from Dr. Terrelon. There, There's medications, there's counseling, there's therapy. And when needed, in-treatment options that all go to directing what you want for your children and the children of your family members is the child's whole health in mind, body, and spirit, in mind, body, and spirit. So yes, we have another mental health professional on. She's calling you Dr. Tarragon like the spice girl. That's because you spice (laughs) (laughs) Transparent about the mental health of children through the pandemic. My clients and I talk about parenting their children through this. So again, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. What you shared with us is priceless. And yes, yes, the name autocorrect. I know Siri gets all no of <laughs> It's hysterical. Um, I'm either Terrapin or, or Tarragon. Yes, yeah, Terrapin, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Go University of Maryland. Right. Um, you know, it's just, we, we need to be aware. Information is power, you all. And that's what this show is about. That's what the show is about. All right. So without further ado, let us bring on our next guest. And I'm going to bring her on so you can see her doing this and her glow. And Dr. Terrilyn, I'm going to ask you to say, if you were here in studio with me, I would say, stay on the couch with us so we can dialogue and we'll all at the end be able to come back and all three talk together. Yeah. So we have a mom here. Thank you for sharing Dr. Terrellon. Very powerful. Chris has two beautiful daughters and Chris is my assistant. And I'm so grateful that she is on the show with us this morning as well. All right. So here we go. There she is. We have Dr. Randy Nath. 
I can't talk anymore. I'm emotional. <laughs> As one of the nation's most acclaimed pediatricians and financial wellness experts, Dr. Randy B. Nelson, a.k.a. Dr. Randy BND, is also a nationally recognized author, speaker, and consultant. In addition, she is a sought-after media expert regarding children and young adult health issues and financial wellness expert due to her extensive 14-year career as a vice president in investment banking. So yes, we've had Dr. Randy on for her financial expertise. We're having her on for her medical expertise today. Dr. Randy meets with professionals one-on-one and in groups traveling the country to instruct and provide financial wellness care to those in need. She is known to be authentic, compassionate, and intelligent, who is equipped with knowledge to get professionals on the path to financial wellness. Dr. Randy is a published author of the Chicken Soup of the Soul series with her short autobiographical story, Following My Heart. She is also a number one Amazon bestseller with her Ladynomics. And she's got two, volume one and volume two now, both bestsellers. Dr. Randy earned her BS in accounting from State University of New York from Buffalo and MBA from Hofstra University and her MD from State University of New York at Stony Brook School of Medicine. She completed her pediatric residency at Jacoby Medical Center in the Bronx and she is still serving that community in Bronx, New York. Welcome to the show, Dr. Randy, Dr. Randy. Hi, everybody. Oh, so great to be here again. I love being on Dr. Carol's program. And Dr. Caroline, I mean, whew, your story, I, you know, as a pediatrician, it, it just tears me up. <laughs> Not tears me up, but make, you know, make me sad. Not sad, but you know, it just, it affects me. It, it really affects me because I am a pediatrician. I am a financial wellness expert, but I'm putting on my pediatric um, hat today. So I'm Dr. Randy B, MD, board certified pediatrician and financial wellness expert, where I provide your RX to wealth and financial well-being through my coaching programs, my speaking engagements, and my number one best-selling books with an S. Lady Noms Volume 1 and Volume 2. I am so happy to be here and to discuss um, the effects of the COVID on my pediatric patients. Yes, yes. And a very important topic, but we got to get this in. So here from... Miss Rebecca, hello, Dr. Randy. I bought my kind out. My dream came true. Thank you for your advice. Oh, my God. Both in person and via your book. Yes. Oh, Rebecca, that's, I remember our meeting. Yes. Going going back to our Satori retreat and uh, the retreats are going to be returning in this year, 2021, going into 2022. Hashtag, can we keep on moving forward? Can we keep it moving forward? Oh, that's so good. Yes, yes, yes. So very, very exciting. Very exciting. So, Dr. Randy, mm-hmm. we are the, still in the midst of this global pandemic. Dr. Terrellon said that she is a proponent of the vaccination both in adults and in children, as am I, something that you and I have talked about on many occasions with lots of passion, lots of passion. We've been alarmed at some of the things that we've seen and experienced, but there's also another challenge going on, not just in 
children, but also adults. Everybody listen up. And that is our basic health care. We're letting the other vaccinations, long time proven to save lives, to change lives, we're letting them slip. So what is your advice to parents about something called the catch-up vaccination? So rather than just not get it at all, how are you advising your patients and how would you advise this community? So, oh, feedback. Okay, we'll both, everyone will go on mute and hopefully that will help with the feedback. Hello? Okay, good. Yeah, no feedback. That's wonderful. So yeah, I am... I am, you know, I, I serve the Bronx, South Bronx, um, earn to serve community, uh, shelter homeless patients, um, definitely a patient population that's um, have high needs, medically, social, economically, in all areas. And um, in terms of, you know, keeping up with scheduled visits, you know, my patient, they're very transient. You know, I may see them one day, I may not see them again, or maybe I'll see them months later or years later. So we have we have really active outreach to, um, you know, to, you know, to to our patients to have them come into the clinic. And we do a lot of work to get them in. You know, a lot of my patients don't drive. They rely on mass transit. Uh, so we try to get them in. We provide transportation if necessary, if they're, in, you know, if they have certain living arrangements. But uh, it is so important. I am a proponent of the COVID vaccine. When my organization asked me to be one of the first in my organization to get co- uh, the, the vaccination, the COVID-19 vaccination, I jumped up. You saw my head going crazy during Dr. Tarlock's talk. When she got, I got that text. I was so excited. My entire family, um, they they are vaccinated. Uh, So I definitely strongly encourage my patients from 12 and up to get the COVID vaccine. In terms of other vaccinations, immunization, we work really hard to to get my patients in so that they can get because what we don't need another pandemic we don't need um you know a couple of years ago in new york city we had a measles outbreak we don't need that um so we really stress it we have really active campaigns you know we get a large list of patients who might be behind because you know i mean in the past 18 months i've been going into the office every day i didn't have any break but you know i had you know i have patients that come in and say you know dr nelson i was afraid to come in i was you know petrified because again you know in the suburbs or other areas, you know, parents drive, they can drive to an office and, you know, the visit can be conducted really out of their car. That's what some um, pediatric offices were doing. And not my patients, they have to take the subway, they got to walk in crowded, you know, sidewalks. I do the same. So I, I totally understand the apprehension. So we really make a concerted effort to reach out to our patients, to have them come in because we want them to be um, up to date on their vaccinations. All of them, you know, the COVID vaccine is not mandated um, for our patients yet, or I don't know if it will be, but it's not mandated. Um, But the good news is I am in New York state. Uh, This is one thing I'm so grateful for. I am in New York state where I think 70, like 70 plus percentage of New Yorkers are vaccinated in New York City and 
in New York State as a whole, and our positivity rate is very low. It's like less than 3% in New York City. So that's a silver lining in all this. Um, you know, New Yorkers have been very adherent to, you know, following mandates, wearing masks, getting vaccinated, but still, I mean, it's not 100%, right? <laughs> and um, so you still have to be careful. So we really stress the importance of them coming in and um, getting their well visits, getting their vaccinations. Again, New York City School District is no joke when it comes to this. They do, they do, you know, there are some requirements. And um, if the kids aren't vaccinated, um, they may not be able to go to school. So that's another that's another push. So we have, you know, we have all these safeguards to make sure our kids are getting what they need. Unmute, unmute, and say, like, say good morning and welcome to Christina, uh, someone else who has just been enjoying and watching the show. So thank you so much. And good morning and welcome to Donna. So yes. So now, all right. So doc, Dr. Randy, let's let's go through from from little right on to adulthood. So we have uh, parents or we have people watching who know people with children between birth and five years old. What is the the message for them in terms of? their regular vaccinations, which a lot of people are behind on, and what are the most important ones that you want to make sure that they're covered and they're protected? You mentioned the measles outbreak of a few years ago, so we know MMR is one of them. Mm -hmm. What else What else are we looking for to make sure these kids have these vaccinations by, by kindergarten? Well, I, I want them to get all of them. <laughs> All, I see all of them equally important. Like, you know, when I have my discussions with parents and they're like, well, what, you know, I'm like, we don't vaccinate for every single disease that's out there. We, we vaccinate for things that can cause morbidity, you know, sickness or death, right? Everything that we do can, can every, every vaccine that we um, provide can prevent a disease that can cause these things. So, you know, varicella, yeah, we had chicken pox as a young, you know, I had chicken pox a day later, my brother had it. So we were quarantined together. I'll never forget that. But it may not be safe, you know, to the person who has it, but if a pregnant woman gets it at a certain time in their pregnancy, um, that can cause problems for their um, uh, unborn child. Uh, so all of them are important um, for this season. Flu vaccines are also very important. One thing I noticed last winter, I didn't diagnose one flu. I didn't have any. I, I didn't have any diagnosis for flu, which was incredible. Um, because I think you know, with the masks, everyone wearing the mask, everyone staying home. So I didn't see a lot of flu. I didn't get a lot of asthma exacerbations, which is amazing. Cause again, I think, you know, being home isolated. So um, the flu is going to be very important, especially if your child has like respiratory issues, like asthma, um, you know, if they're newborn, they could get something, they're prone to something called bronchiolitis, uh, which is a respiratory dis disease um, illness that can make them sick. Um, if it's severe enough. So yeah, the flu vaccine is very, very important. I get it. I don't advocate for anything. I don't get, I get everything. <laughs> 
and my family does, you know, they, they do as well. So. Yeah. Wonderful. So, and again, you, you mentioned something important. So Dr. Terrellon and I being family uh, medical doctors, you being a pediatrician, all three of us come in contact with the pregnant woman. Mm-hmm. What vaccines should the pregnant woman be getting in or catching up on? And should she be getting the COVID-19 vaccination? Well, you know, so funny you say, I'm not an OBGYN. Okay, so I that's not my population. But I just saw, it's so funny you said this. I saw um, this morning, I was watching a news report about how eight women, pregnant women, um, passed away due to um, COVID diagnosis. Um, some of the unborn, you know, some of the, the newborns were still birthed. Not everyone, not all of them made it. Um, you know, one OBGYN was um, talking about how she had to put all these, you know, these pregnant women on ECMO, which was something that she's never had to experience, which is the heart-lung bypass um, mechanism in, in, you know, like ICU care. She said she's never had to do that. She's never experienced. So she's, you know, so the recommendation is for pregnant women uh, to get vaccinated. There's studies that show that it's safe. Um, you know, pregnant women have can suffer comp- complications just by being pregnant. And then to have, you know, a, you know, to have COVID on top of that, which can exacerbate anything, everything. You know, it was so important. Yes. And so we I was talking to our dear friend and colleague, Dr. Kina, who is an OB guy. And she's so funny. She was holding the baby like this. She said, you see, because she advocates for all of her pregnant moms yeah. to get the vaccination. Yeah. She said, you see this? Your one chance to protect your baby is for you to get that vaccination. Because once that little one is born, the little one can't get the vaccination yeah. against that virus. And and this is when I would be handing the baby now to you, Dr. Randy, the little baby. Right. Yes. Because it was not protected. So, you know, you know, we are all so interconnected and you know, the place our specialties overlap. Or this is why I might be handing that baby to you, Dr. Terrellon, or this baby might be coming to me because the opportunity to protect the baby was when the baby was in the mom's tummy and the mommy would get the vaccination and the baby would get something we know as conferred immunity, which the baby is getting for all those other protections that the mom is passing on through the mother's immune system. Right. right. So it is very important. So let's, you know, fast forward here. So now we're going up to the adolescent population. And I've had some adolescents coming in needing to catch up on TDAPs and mm-hmm. HPV, mm-hmm. all of that. So how are you handling that? So anybody who knows some teenagers and young adults, like, you know, right up to the early 20s. So, I mean, they are so far. I mean, I've been pretty happy because a lot of, I would say percentage wise, I mean, this hasn't been a lot, but I would say half of my patients 12 and up have gotten the vaccine, the COVID vaccine, which I, you know, I applaud them. I make a big deal out of it in office because I know I do have some parents that come in and like, my kid is not getting that. And then, you know, and I'll discuss, you know, We'll talk about it in depth, but um, yeah, again, regular visits. 
um, with the teenagers, the mental health component is so that, I mean, for all my kids, especially after this year and a half where they were home and some kids were struggling a lot during the past year and a half, some kids were doing well. Um, so the mental health, I talk about that a lot. How you doing? How's it going? Some are very excited to be back in school because New York City schools started, I think, last week uh, in person. There's no remote um, virtual option. So some of them are very excited. Um, one thing I'm you know, really grateful for, and again, this is just not isolated to the adolescents, is that they're moving again. Because I've seen obese, I mean, I've seen weight gains that I've never like seen before from 20, 30, 40. I think I even had one patient who gained 60 pounds in one year. So I, you know, that's what I stress. So with them, I stress proper diet, movement, exercising, and at least an hour a day, some, you know, in some kind of capacity. And of course, getting them vaccinated and really, you know, dealing with their mental health because some of them have been struggling. They really have. Absolutely. All right. So ladies, I'm going to ask you both a question. So Dr. Randy, thank you so much for those nuggets. In other words, this was, you know, a public health yes. information segment. You've got to do that basic fundamental care and vaccinations are not the problem. The science is there, the research is there. Even there was the big controversy around do vaccinations cause autism? And this has been researched for the past two decades so thoroughly and we can't find an evidence base that it does. Now it might be a confluence of factors, but it more likely has to do with lifestyle issues. So. Are you getting enough rest? Are you getting, and starting from the environment of the mother, right? Are you getting enough clean water? Are you breathing enough clean air? And some of this does cross over into the political because we have to take care of the climate change. We got to take care of the earth because the earth support us. And if we're breathing bad air, well, we're making badness in our body. If we're drinking bad water, we're making badness in our body. If we're eating bad food, we're making badness in our body. And if you're making a baby, all of that is going into the baby. So we, we, we need to, you know, start to use our common sense, as my grandmother would say, and put two and two together and, and, and come up with a, a, a different path as opposed to making any idea about vaccinations the enemy. Because it's simply, it is not the enemy. It is the science and the creativity of humankind having come together in the knowledge over the ages. And it's the best we have right now, right now. And some of you that are watching are old enough. Remember when we wiped out polio and that's because they, it was a public health movement. They lined up all the kids and they either gave us a little something polio here, or we took it off of the sugar cube. And you know, hello, I had an uncle who had polio. Do you want to have that disease? And the answer is probably no, of course not. That was a mass vaccination effort. So, you know, know your history, think about it, and let's get it together, people. Let's get it together. We're better than all of this. So now, ladies, you know me. My message is self-care. 
and knowing the difference between self-care and self-maintenance. Dr. Caroline and I were talking about that the other day. So yes, I want you to continue to get your manicures and your pedicures, but that's self-maintenance. That's part, part of you know, how you present yourself to the world. What are you all doing? as doctors who are walking the talk, can you share with our audience just one or two things that's part of your self-care that you would like to see more people doing? So Dr. Terrellon, we'll start with you. So Dr. Carol, thank you so much for this question. And part of Part of my self-care is learning to say no. And that that is still a work in progress for me. And part of that saying no is actually saying no to my kids. And that's a huge thing for me because that's part of my mommy guilt. And I'm actually saying Part of that is actually going on right now. So I mentioned to you all that I have three kids. I have three kids. Each of them plays two sports, which means two sports and two. they're in two sports. And I'm trying to keep up with their sports schedules and their academic schedules. Um, so even as I'm on this broadcast right now, I have one child that is playing um, a hockey game. And um, so this weekend was part of my self-care. And this was, um, so we've been in school for two weeks. We started the Wednesday after Labor Day. And I have to say this weekend, I did pretty, I, I did a pretty good job. And it was so worth it because I had to get rest. I was running myself ragged. And I said, this weekend, I will not go to every single game. And I was starting to feel guilty, but I knew that I needed rest because I needed to recharge. So I charged myself with going to at least one game for every kid. Now, two of the kids had tournaments, count two of the three kids. So if you know anything about tournaments, that meant that each kid was going to be playing Friday, sorry, Saturday and Sunday. That's two kids, which meant that was they were going to be playing at least five games and then one kid had one game there's no way possible that i could do that and then be rested for work and get them ready for school and so and um that i would be get in my exercise schedule and be able to get their clothes ready um check all of their assignments for monday there was just no way possible so I said, and my mother's coming in this weekend and cook dinner. And I said, you know what? This is insanity. This is insanity. So I gave my permission. I mean, I gave myself permission to go to one, at least one game each. I've been to more than one game. I, I gave in, but, <laughs> but I, you know, I the other thing that I did was I did talk to each child and inform them that I would be at least at one game. But at the same time, I informed them that I would have their clothes ready. I would also be present, but I would also we would have dinner on Sunday and, you know, that I would also be rested so that we could take on the week together. And so that's what I've been working on 
saying no so that I could be rested and also look decent. I wanted to look decent because I know that I would be run ragged. <laughs> I would look crazy. And I also knew that I wasn't going to be in a pleasant mood starting Monday. So my my part of my self-care is saying no, um, especially, and then not feeling the mommy guilt when I say no. So that's part of my self-care. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah, wonderful. You know, because our kids also need to know everything that we're doing. So it's not like, okay, you weren't going to the second game and then you were doing nothing. So you letting them know, look, mommy's getting your school, you're checking your assignments, getting your clothes ready for the week and, you know, getting fueled up so we can have a great week starting on Monday. So congratulations, Dr. Terrellon, on both saying no and then letting them know like, hey, okay, let's peek behind the curtain. This is what's going on behind the scenes. Mommy's still being doing the all the mommy things, even though you might not see them. And maybe our children might learn to take a few less things for granted. So thank you for doing that. Good for you. Good for you. Dr. Randy, how about you? What's your self-care tip? So, yeah, so I do. I, I love self-maintenance. I did a massage yesterday, which was stories, but I do. But when, and, and I'm going to incorporate one at least every three months because I feel tension. And if I let it, you know, build up, it, it becomes painful. So um, that's one thing. That's the self-maintenance. But self-care, again, I can be, I don't have kids, but I mean, I can be on a thousand every week. I mean, I'm, I can be involved in so many <laughs> different things, or activities. I'm very social. I love concerts. I love things. On, and those, you know, bring a lot of joy to my life, but it can run me, it can run ragged, you know, especially if I do something like on a Sunday and I have still have the rest of the week. I also commute an hour and a half each way to work. So that's a lot. That's a lot. Mm -hmm. So I think what I've decided to do is like Sunday is my chill out day. Like I'm really trying not to involve in any, do my cooking. If I want to clean, that's fine. But just to be home so I can just get ready for the week. Cause I have to be a hundred percent for my patients I, I, and for myself. Um, and one thing I've picked up is exercising. Like, you know, I'm on this mission to lose a little bit of weight and I'm like, well, I need to do something. I need to kick it up. So, um, I joined the gym so that I could use the treadmill. And um, I've been doing that for the past two weeks, and it, and it's great. <laughs> so that's what I'm really just trying to take care of me and eat well, exercise, and give myself time to rest. Yes, rest is very important. So thank you for sharing that, Dr. Randy. Yeah, everybody, the message is you have to make time. You have to make time. So listen, this has been a fabulous show. It's also a podcast. So for those of you, please go on Weightless and Mind, Body and Spirit. You can find it wherever you listen to your podcast. Subscribe, share the information with friends. You know, you know somebody that's needed to hear this information and they can be walking on the treadmill. They can be taking their walk. They can have be do, getting some rest and putting their headsets and listen to Dr. Terrellon and Dr. Randy and our topics that we discussed today. So that's weightless and mind, body, and spirit. 
Yeah. So what does it say? Dr. Randy, I don't have kids, but that doesn't mean you don't have a lot in your life. Sometimes the pull can be even more. Yes. As usual, another fantastic show. Thank you, Dr. Carol, Dr. Randy, and Dr. Terrellon. Looking forward to more great shows. And now drum roll, please. And this last minute, I'm going to debut our new theme song by the fantastic, the amazing Kenny Brazil Hamilton. So drum roll, please. I hope, I hope, I think it is. I think it is. Here we go. Weightless, weightless. No matter what people say, you're full of greatness. greatness. Time you opened up your eyes, you were courageous. If only they could see you going through your paces It's amazing Weightless No matter what people say You're full of greatness Time you open up your eyes You work away Just If only they could see you going through your paces It's amazing Time you opened up your eyes, you were courageous If only they could see you going through your paces It's amazing Patrick and thank you from Patrick. Thank you from Sharon. Dr. Erica, great show. Yes, great seeing you all. Christine, listen, I'm gonna meet y'all ladies back in the green room, the virtual green room. Thank you Can so I just- much. And come on back here next Sunday. Next Sunday is gonna be our whole like more spiritual, transformative opening to the show. All right. Thank you. Signing off you all till next week. Bye.